Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad. This is a bonus episode of the Adweek Podcast because we have got some big news to share, and here to share it with me is our boss editorial director of Adweek, Jim Cooper. Jim, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, David. How are you? I'm good. We had a busy weekend. Yes, we did. It was uh, a little hot, hot news Saturday. The weather, the weather was beautiful, and then the uh, the big news hit. So we, we were right back at work. So uh, on Saturday, we found out not not too surprising in the big scheme of news, but uh, interesting timing for it that Sir Martin Sorrell, the CEO of WPP, the largest company in advertising, holding company that owns hundreds of agencies and advertising related businesses, had stepped down. Uh, he was leaving on his own accord, but certainly under a fair amount of uh, kind of I- I- duress. I don't know. He was being investigated by the company for undisclosed uh, matters uh, that sound financial, but we really haven't heard many details. Uh, WPP has also just been struggling generally uh, in the last few years. Uh, I think since 2017, their revenue has been dropping off pretty pretty badly. Their stock has not been great. He took a very large bonus uh, in 20. I guess that would have been 16, and then took a much smaller bonus in 2017. But I saw in one of the news reports someone referred to that as signing his own death warrant when he <laughs> took that when he took that bonus two years ago. Um, so, Jim, you have known uh, Sir Martin for quite a while. First, uh, you know we we've mentioned the CEO of this massive holding company, but tell us big picture if someone who does not follow advertising all that closely asked you, who is this guy? Why is he a big deal? What what would you tell them? I mean, I'd, I'd say that uh, Martin uh, stepping down from his uh, role at, uh, as the CEO of WPP is really sort of a really important inflection point uh, for the advertising business and media business. I mean, this is a guy who um, really had a sort of iron fist control over the largest advertising holding company on, on the planet. And he's probably the most influential and important person in advertising for the past, you know, 20 years. And so for him to step down is is, is a real um, changing of the guard, so to speak, in that uh, his style of management and the style of WPP as a holding company is under assault from lots of different directions. And 
uh, it's it's time for probably this business and uh, to change. Um, and him as sort of like the titular head of this huge company, he probably had to change too. And um, beyond whether it's whether uh, this impropriety that we're, we've been hearing about happened or not happened or to what scale, um, the business around WPP was changing at such a rapid pace, being disrupted by so many different um, factors ranging from clients uh, not spending as much money to transparency to Facebook and Google that this was um, a business and an individual in Sorrel who really had sort of run its course in, its, in their present guise. So it's basically... To the layman, it's the most historically the most powerful man in advertising, running the biggest company in advertising, being disrupted basically out of the business. Yeah, it's you know I we'll get into in a second kind of the structure of the business, uh, but one thing that has always impressed me, and I think you and I have spoken about this in the past, is that Martin Sorrell is unflappable. Like there is no question you can ask him. There are questions you can ask him that he won't answer. <laughs> He'll deflect, but there's no question he can't answer. And for someone, you know, operating a company with 200,000 employees with offices all around the world, that always impressed me. The the sheer amount of information that man was able to keep in his head at all times about all the tentacles of his operation and all the countries they were working with. It was just stunning every single time you you talk to him. Yeah, he's you know, he's a brilliant individual. There's no doubt about it. Um, he's, he's a very tough interview. I've sat down with him. You know, a handful of times to interview uh, regarding WPP and the business in general, and oftentimes you'd ask one question, and he would go on a blue streak uh, that would go all over the place, uh, ranging from geopolitics to Brexit to sports. Uh, he, uh, it was hard for him to, uh, you know, have a sort of uh, short, brief answer about anything you'd ask him. He would sort of take it and extrapolate it in often incredibly interesting ways, but it was very, as a journalist, it was kind of tough to pin down and have him answer questions directly and then move on to the next question. It was always sort of almost, almost an intellectual stream of consciousness with a lot of geopolitical and economic theory thrown in. So it, it was, again, brilliant guy. Uh, and um, and what he was able to build over the 33 years was is, is remarkable. And uh, but yes, he, he uh, he's a very, I think he was, the thing that always impressed me with him is he was always very curious and always very prepared um, for whatever, at your point, whatever you wanted to talk about, he was, uh, he was game and um, usually had a much more sophisticated answer than probably the question itself. Yeah, you know, like most CEOs, and understandably, are a little scared of being sandbagged in an interview. Like, they want to know as much as possible. Their handlers really grill us as reporters about what are you going to ask and what are you... You know, Sorrel would literally walk into the press room at Cannes and sit down and just say, okay, hit me. <laughs> yeah, no, he... Uh, there was a time when we interviewed him at Cannes, and... Uh, he took a, a real interest in the camera we were using and, in fact, knew more about the camera than the, our videographer. And, you know, the, the interview <laughs> devolved into not, not, nothing that we wanted to talk about, but the the, the, the pros and cons of the, the features of this particular camera, not even the make, but the model number. So, you know, he had, he had, he had a lot of stuff up in his head. And he was, wasn't shy about letting it go out. Well, just to, uh, before we lose track of explaining kind of the scope of this business, let's talk a little bit about what all is owned by WPP, because it, it is huge. Um, but I'll just kind of rattle off this. Is, I mean, they have upward of 400 businesses in this holding company, so... We're only going to name 394 of them. <laughs> right. like, you know, when we were preparing for the story, you know, if you pull up um, any of the the, the, the 
the work charts or the flows of WPP. It's basically it has its own loom escape. I mean, to your point, there's <laughs> uh, you know so many companies and of all shapes and sizes, all sorts of investments. It's it's a massive massive company. So I feel like the best known um, are certainly Ogilvy, uh, kind of the biggest, most storied name in advertising, uh, Y&R, formerly Young and Rubicam, Gray, uh, one of the very old and distinguished uh, agency networks, and J. Walter Thompson and Wonderman. I feel like that's kind of their core portfolio of you know traditional ad agencies. But they've they've kept up the pace. I mean, they they own AKQA, which was kind of a digital leader. Taxi, uh, which I believe is based out of Toronto. Is that that's Canadian? Yes, network. That's right? correct. And uh, the AND partnership, Group M, Mindshare, MediaCom, a lot of media stuff, uh, which is part of the reason they've been taking uh, a bit of a hit financially. Is uh, you know they've really WPP not to get ahead of ourselves, but they've really built their business model around this. This very specific way that advertising works, <laughs> you know, agencies make ads and media companies place ads, and and you know that model has been disrupted so badly that I think a lot of people feel that they couldn't really shift their their you know their makeup in time to adapt to that. Uh, I did want to mention they also own Cantar, which we'll probably discuss in a minute. That's one. It's a kind of a media metrics analytics company that they've really struggled to monetize uh, effectively. But then they also they own some of the coolest agencies on the block right now. Uh, they own VML uh, out of Kansas City, which does the uh, Wendy's uh, social media content and ads. Uh, you know, it's very well known for a lot of the, all the work they do is pretty stellar. They own David Miami, which was our breakthrough agency of the year. Uh, they own Ingo, which um, is uh, an absolutely, that was a big reason that Ogilvy won our global uh, agency of the year last year, is uh, because of uh, Ingo as part of the Ogilvy portfolio. Uh, they're in, I want to say Sweden. Uh, and then uh, Johannes Leonardo, the kind of smaller boutique agency that's blowing up. Uh, that's one that was a very early investment, you know, at WPP basically helped launch them. So, yeah, I mean, Jim, they really, they they own the full gamut of like your old and, and tried and true names and your uh, big up and coming shops. Yeah. And then the, even the fact that they have such a huge, to your point, they have such a huge media agency portfolio in in, in the sort of the Group M properties. I mean, that, that's a really big business. I mean, it's certainly challenge, but those are, they, you know, they spend a lot of budget in the marketplace. So, the, you know, this, this, this whole group ranging from Ingo to, you know, Mindshare and Ogilvy, it's, 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 it's pretty awesome. And, um, in terms of its scale and, and scope and it, it, what's, I guess, one of the biggest questions now is what happens to it all. Um, because I think people really sort of felt like Sorrel, again, had this iron grip over this in a way that nobody else in the business does um, uh, and probably won't ever again. Uh, what happens to all these incredible agencies and assets uh, in this sort of disrupted, um, you know, landscape where all the, you know, both creative and media agencies are, are under assault uh, to a do great work, but also uh, you know have return and make money. Yeah, and you've got these uh, the the consultancies that are out there. Basically, you know, they're 
They have little or no debt. They have tons of uh, cash. You know, they can acquire businesses uh, much easier than an agency holding company could. Now, they can basically be the Martin Sorrell of 2018 uh, in a way that Martin Sorrell could not. Uh, and when you look at, I, I honestly, I mean, this, I wouldn't say this is uninformed conjecture, but we certainly don't have any uh, specifics on this. But I would be shocked if they don't at least streamline this portfolio. Uh, you know, some people have called for WPP to be broken up uh, in a in a much larger way. Honestly, I just think they'll probably drop things like Cantar. Their revenue numbers have taken such a bad hit in the last few years that they kind of have to staunch the bleeding. Um, but I, I don't know. Structurally, do you have any guesses on what we're going to see from them? So this this would go in, in several different ways. I think that uh, what's probably most likely is that some of the sort of outlier agencies, maybe Cantar or some of the underperforming agencies, uh, relative to some of the, to the larger agencies, might get spun off. Uh, you know, sort of low hanging fruit for either an Accenture or someone else uh, to, to come in and uh, purchase those agencies. Uh, at maybe a bit of a fire sale price. Uh, but also, to your point earlier, in the consultancies, because of their, you know, their heft and, and um, you know, financial strength, they could come in and buy this whole thing and then, it, you know, continue on uh, in a way that uh, maybe Sorrel and company couldn't um, just because of their, again, of their scale. Um, I think more than likely, though, that you'll, you'll have... Um, you know, again, the, the the new management taking a, a very very hard look at these agencies, and which fit and which don't fit, and uh, I think that's probably the more likely scenario where you'll see some sell off. Well, let's. Uh, I, I did want to talk briefly about the the history of WPP because it is just fascinating. You know, he bought this uh, wire and plastic products, literally a shopping basket company in 1985. They made, they, had made learned... they made animal cages too. Okay. <laughs> well, there's some metaphor. <laughs> and uh, they, uh, you know, they he bought this thing in 1985 with his own money and kind of came on like a year later as the CEO of it. Uh, but he had been a, a CFO, some of the financial czar in general for Saatchi and Saatchi in the kind of late Mad Men era, the, the late 70s, early 80s. And you know, just basically learned, hey, if, if you have a company, you can go around and take over, you know, anybody that you've got the the leverage to, to do. And, you know, and so he, he shocked the world in 1987. I did a hostile takeover of J. Walter Thompson, uh, if not the oldest ad agency on earth, certainly one of them. Uh, and then followed it up two years later with a, a another dramatic takeover, spending $825 million to buy Ogilvy and Mather. Uh, which David Ogilvy, if I remember right from our archives, not a big fan of Martin Sorrell and uh, not a big fan of that process. I think he had even made some strong statements about, you know, I will, I will never sell to him. I will never work for him. And, and he did. Uh, and he did. Uh, so, you know, he Sorrell certainly proved that there, there was a lot of vulnerability. Uh, and then he also kicked off this merger mania, right? Like the 90s, the, uh, the, what we think of as the landscape of advertising with all these big holding companies. That was a pretty fast scramble, right? With all those all those companies kind of saying, like, if we don't want to get bought by WPP, we we better bind together. Absolutely, I think that you know he 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 was the uh, architect of this of this sort of consolidated world, and um, you know, saw saw this very clear opportunity that no one saw you know prior, where you had you could sort of buy these agencies, which were getting paid a lot of money, um, and then. Reduce costs and you know get a, a a pretty impressive margin and for a long time that was a very very good business and he paid himself very very well f- for the for the trouble um, but as uh, 
you know, as we as we all know, the world changed, and clients uh, started to take a dim dim view of some of the work that these agencies were doing, just because of cost reductions and. Ultimately, we are, we are where we are now, um, where clients are taking more business back into their own walls and um, agencies uh, like those uh, of the WPP group and, and their peers uh, are, are really having to, to fight for every dollar they, they bring in. Well, the uh, at the moment, we don't know as we record this, at least, which is an important caveat because this, this kind of story does tend to move quickly. Uh, we know that they're kind of dividing the leadership among two uh, CO, co-COOs uh, who were named specifically by Sorrell in his outgoing letter. Uh, Mark Reed, who had been the CEO of Wonderman, one of their largest networks uh, in a very long time, uh, WP Peer, uh, and also Andrew Scott, who had been their corporate development director and the COO for their Europe operations. Do you think we'll see one of those uh, one of those guys elevated to CEO, or do you think that they're going to be looking to make a dramatic statement by saying we're going to bring in someone new and different and from a completely different industry? Uh, you know, what, what do you think is going to happen at the top? That's a you know that's really the the probably the question of the hour. Um, I, I think that these guys are both career WPP executives and obviously uh, trusted by by the board and. And I think that they'll, you know, probably be, you know, solid interim uh, leaders of the company. But I do think if they want to make a statement, they're going to have to do something that's not uh, something from the past. And I would suspect that they might try to look uh, for leadership in the, in maybe from a consultancy or you know, or from a, from, a, from a brand partner. Something they, they need. I think they realize they have to do something to not only save the business but save the profile of the company in this sort of modern era where there is so much disruption that they need some leadership that understands that in a sort of a native sense and is not somebody who's um, sort of you know been with the company forever and um, might be um, at, you know Sorrel's acolyte and then you know sort of continued down the path that they've been going for the past uh, several years which has not been the most uh, you know glorious in terms of you know their share price and, and revenue yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you. I think my completely baseless speculation is just that uh, it'll go to an executive from a very high level executive from a PwC or an Accenture or Deloitte, you know, that they'll just just to show, yes, we are we're changing the game and we're going to, we're you know, nothing nothing's on the table because they're just not in a position that some of these other holding companies are in where they can say, we're going to peaceably hand off the changing of the guard and we're going to keep a smooth ship sailing. <laughs> it's like, no, man, this is the... If Martin Sorrell couldn't do it for you, who can? <laughs> right. I mean, part of me is a little. I mean, it's a. It it, it takes some of the romance out of it. I mean, I, I do think Sorrell was one of these larger than life characters, um, and I've I've you know like him or not like him. I've I've always been impressed. I think he's a curious person. I think he's a massively intellectual person. I mean, I saw him interview this uh, Olympic sailor um, from Britain, um, Sir Ben Ainsley at uh, Advertising Week uh, Europe in London in 2015. And he'd obviously done a lot of homework and knew everything about this guy. And he was an incredible interviewer. You know, you spend a lot, you spend a lot of time listening to him being interviewed, but he really took this very, very seriously. And I walked away being very impressed by that. And so he had a, a certain, he still does, but he has a sort of elan and verve and intellectual sort of curiosity energy that I think uh, I would like to hopefully think that, you know, whoever they bring in uh, would sort of be able to replicate that. Um, I'm not sure that's in the nature of the consultancies, but uh, we'll have to see. 
Well, Jim, I can't thank you enough for making time. It has been a, a crazy Monday as we record this of everyone scrambling to uh, continue picking up all the, the angles of this story. Definitely encourage everyone to check out adweek.com. Patrick Coffey, our agency's editor and his team, have just been flooding the zone uh, and getting out there and, and you know coming up with some great coverage. So keep an eye on that. But Jim, thanks so much for, uh, for coming on the podcast. My pleasure, David. Thanks so much. All right. Well, we will be back with another episode uh, early next week. But thanks for joining us for the bonus, and we'll talk to you soon. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, Forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality.